0: Hello and welcome back to You Are My Borough with myself, Tom Shaw and Scott Wilson, both of the Northern Echo. We're going to look back on that chaotic afternoon at Ellen Road, discuss the many injuries and setbacks that Michael Carrick is currently dealing with. We'll have a brief look ahead to Ipswich on Saturday, although we are going to do another vid and pod at the back end of the week after Michael Carrick's press conference on Thursday. So we can talk about that. Uh, If you're watching along on YouTube, then please subscribe. Um, and leave a comment as well if you want anything discussed. And if you listen on your podcast channels, then rate and review there as well. Scott, you're at the Riverside on Saturday. I know we yes. discussed your plant-a-fascia plan issue not too long ago, but do you fancy a kickabout? Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> funnily enough, I had a little hour on Seven Aside in the snow last Thursday night, and that was, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so the, the foot's all right. The foot's all right. So it, I tell you what, it's getting towards that, isn't it? I mean, you know, um, there's been an awful lot of noise up the road about all the injuries Newcastle have had. Well, Burrow are running them close. They really are. When it comes to injuries, suspe- obviously, suspensions are a, a big, big factor this weekend as well. On top of that, but um, it, it's going to be a bit of a head count for Saturday afternoon, isn't it?
0: Well, we've got, we've got, a, we won't get, we won't uh, run it along just yet. But we've, we've got a probable team for Saturday's game if, if everyone who's a doubt. It doesn't yeah. make So we know Isaiah Jones and Anthony Dykesdale are both obviously suspended. We know certain players like Marcus Force and, and Riley McGree, unless they really have made a miraculous recovery in the last week, are going to be out. But then there are several players who are doubts and who Michael Carrick might or might not tell us more about in his press conference. On <laughs> Let's have a look back at Leeds. Um, yeah. Chaotic. I mean, I, 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 it was one of them where after 10 minutes into the game, you need to just take a breather and because there's there's yeah. loads to write about, but you haven't written anything because you haven't had chance to write about it's anything. Not
1: in front again, yeah, it was, it was yeah it
0: was Even the second half when there was no goals, still loads happened. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly and, one of the most chaotic games at Ellen Road I've ever well, the most yeah. undoubtedly. I,
1: I, it's the third away game in a row, isn't it, where Borough have conceded three goals now. You've got to give a little bit of that to the fact that Leeds United are a very good team. You know, they've clicked into gear, they look every inch the promotion candidates. We probably all thought they'd be at the start of the season. But it still feels very different to most of what Michael Carrick's borough was doing last season, which was yes, they gave an odd goal away, don't get me wrong. And, and there were games when they relied on Tuba up front to um to kind of dig them out of it by by you know scoring a goal from nothing or whatever, but Even in those games, you generally felt that Borough were the team controlling the game. They were dictating the tempo, you know, right from the word goal, Carrick's been all about being possession-based, keeping the ball. So even when they were leaking an odd goal, it still felt like Borough had had a pretty good grip or a pretty good control on most of the games they were playing. At the minute, certainly away from home, that's not the case, is it? It's held a skelter, it's conceding goals in clumps, it's... You know, it's it's very kind of unlike what I imagine Carrick wants from his borough side, and and a couple of times he's kind of alluded to it, hasn't he? he? He's basically said, "Look, we do need to get that control back." You know, we it, it, it kind of can't go on shipping all of these goals away from home, and that would be the worry. Now, on the flip side, Borough probably created more really good opportunities in a game against Leeds than Leeds will ship up in their next five. laugh looked a real threat, obviously. Got his goals, missed his chances, but, but you know, was a real kind of live wire. Um, and, and the Borough midfield caused Leeds all kinds of problems at various stages of that game. So going forward, I, th- I think Borough are in pretty good shape, you know, assuming they've got everyone there, which we'll get to in a minute. But at the back, it is a worry. And it's going to be even more of a worry this weekend when, you know, like I say, it, it really is just the last four standing that are going to be playing in that back four. So... That for me is the worry. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, um, because that's not sustainable, is it? For all for all no. like I would seen a couple of discussions afterwards where would would you rather play play like Michael Carrick's side play and and, and risk losing three two or go and grind out results? Well, I've seen Tony Pulis as borough draw 0-0 at Ellen Road. And and obviously we've watched Carrick's. Side. I know yeah. which I know which team. I'd rather watch week in, week out, and where and when paying to watch it. You know, I,
1: I, yeah, yeah.
0: I'd rather be entertained. Um, and Michael Carrick's side undoubtedly do that. That that said, there clearly needs to be a balance. I think what the frustrating aspect is for from Saturdays is the goals were avoidable. So the first, when Dan Barlesa cheaply concedes possession, yeah. um I'd seen Barlaser afterwards saying, you know, he he held his hands up and said, but that's the way the gaffer wants us to play. Now, I get that, but I kind of feel that that that, that can't be a cop-out for individual mistakes. So a few minutes earlier, Barlaser had played a pass where he was under no pressure and he'd just given the ball away. And then again, a couple of minutes later, Leeds clearly are going to be better than any other team or better than most other teams at punishing those mistakes. But then the second goal... Bangura gets sucked in, free cross, Dyke Steele gets beat at the far post, sorry, the third goal. The second goal, Dan James, who's what, five foot six, out jumps McNair and Bangura yeah. at the back post. It feels like, though, though, even if you want to play the way Michael Carrick wants to play, which is admirable, you shouldn't be conceding those goals. No. I don't think, I don't, I think what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's a case of saying, well, if Carrick wants to play that way, that those goals are going to be conceded. That, that's not the case. You can play the way a Borough want to play, but still not
1: concede those Yeah, goals. and they did for most of last season. Like I say, even though they were conceding goals last season, it, it never it didn't it rarely felt like they were conceding goals in a, just a manic 10-minute spell where any semblance of control of the game went out the window. And that for me is what's costing them away from home at the moment. Those crazy 10-15 minute spells where for whatever reason the composure's just not... and that's not about playing. Attacking free flowing football. That's just for whatever reason, your grip on the game completely disappears for that little spell. Well, you well, I
0: think Plymouth was at two goals in four minutes, Bristol City two in nine, and Leeds two in five, or something like yeah. that. Now, now, why why is that happening? Is that is that Lenahan being missed at the back? You know, a real a real leader to get a grip and, and settle things down. I don't know. I don't know why that. Yeah. What the reason is for that? That's one for for Carrick. I, I mean, guess. it's
1: interesting. You know, you it hasn't. You you wouldn't automatically think that you take Daryl Lenahan out of a borough side and and all of a sudden the the, the control goes. But it, you know, it marries up at the minute. It? It's it's hard to 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 completely dismiss that suggestion because it's undoubtedly happening since he's not been in the side. Um, you know is it is it Housen and Hackney not really playing together or or every week? Whereas last season, it was pretty much every week, Housen and Hackney, they dovetail really effectively. That central midfield area, you generally felt Borough were running it. We've had Barlacer and Hackney, we've had Housen and Barlacer. Obviously, Hackney's out at the minute, there's been a spell, and housen has been out. Is it that? Maybe. Um, is it the fact that they're not defending as well from the front anymore? And so... And so you know, it, it's not just a, it's a fact that the opposition are getting onto the back four that much quicker. It's probably a combination of a lot of different things, isn't it? But it is a worry. The, the,
0: the, you touched on it there about the, the away from home, and and that's what Michael Carrick said afterwards because he said it. It's not a structural issue because if it was a structural issue, it'd be happening at home as well. At Absolutely, home, yeah. Bur- at home, Borough have conceded seven goals in nine. Away from home, Borough have conceded twenty two in ten. Um, I don't know why, I don't... <laughs> no. but no. I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting dynamic as well. Um, yeah. You know, the good news from that is the next two games are at home, Ipswich and Hull, and and I absolutely wouldn't put it past Borough getting
1: six points from those games, no. as, as difficult as they are. Um, I, I mean, I, maybe, I, maybe it's partly a thing that, in general, teams that come to the Riverside let Borough have a fair bit amount of of the ball. And so you know Burrack can then start to dictate the tempo, they can settle themselves into the game, they can, they can um, you know, they can they can gain that sense of control gradually away from home when teams are more likely to get at Burrett, it just feels like they can't get out of that being on the back foot and kind of being reactive rather than proactive.
0: And and for and and you know, Carrick was keen clearly keen to talk about this after the game on Saturday. For all we've spent five or six minutes discussing that issue. To lose 3-2 and to go and, and and to really come away from Ellen Road thinking we should have got something from that. That's their seventh league win in a row. Borough, Borough clearly aren't far away at all. And that and that's the positive Carrick will, will understandably take, isn't it? With all the players out, with with a team out now with a, with an 11 out basically other than you go because over 10 of you, your outfield team out. Um we've gone to probably the hardest place to go in the championship at the minute. And we're coming away thinking we should have got something from that game. Yeah. That, that That's what Carrick will take from it. I would imagine while, while clearly addressing those issues we've discussed. It, yeah, it and, point that.
1: and that's why I think at the moment you can't go too far over the top about the, the kind of defensive concerns, because at the other end of the pitch, they look a real threat. Like you say, you know with so many players out and and you know as we've said on the last video I think players who would be nailed on in your in your first choice starting eleven you know we're not talking about a couple of fringe players a couple of kids here and and a couple of first teamers. no we're talking everyone really is a nailed on first team player um you know the players who have stepped in have, have done exceptionally well and and um you know that they're, they're other than other than, you know, defensively, there hasn't been a really marked drop-off. And, and that's got to be a major positive for Carrick. Because if and when these players do come back, then all of a sudden, you know, the strength of that squad now looks great. Um, but obviously, they've just got to get to that point, haven't they? They've got to get, get to the point where the players are going to start to return.
0: And Lartier-Lath's two goals. It's funny because I was I was asked Michael Carrick about Lartier-Lath at his press conference last week. Kind of words to the effect of, we... we we, you can see what he's good at, but he's very raw and unpredictable and a little bit wild at times. But if if you coached him too much, would, would you risk – not coached him too mm-hmm. much, but could you coach that unpredictability out of him? Uh, yeah. Is there a balance to be struck there? And, and I think we saw the, the good and the bad of him, really, on Saturday because he scored two great goals but then missed three glorious chances. I yeah. think for now – while, while he's a work in progress and while he's getting used to the championship, that's kind of going to be what, what you've got to expect from him, I think, haven't you?
1: Yeah, and I, and I mean, there are players that are just like that, aren't there? You know, um, th- there are players. I mean, I watched that Arsenal game last night and Gabriel Jesus scored a great goal. But then he, he for me, is a, is a classic player where he could then in the next game miss three absolute sitters. But there's other parts of his game that are, that are really good and, and he'll give you a lot for. And, um, you know, Adama Traore, great example. Nobody's really been able to iron out the flaws that are evidently there in his game. So does there come a point where you just have to say, we have to accentuate the positives and and, and just accept that, there, you know, there'll be elements of his game that aren't quite where we want them. Now, listen, it's way too early to say that with lots he's only He's still a climbing eyes in New England. He's still getting used to the championship, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, on all the evidence so far, he looks a player who is not necessarily going to be relied upon to get you 20 goals a season and convert 50% of his chances or whatever. But he's always going to be a massive threat. He's going to cause defenders all kinds of problems. His pace is just going to get him into positions that other centre forwards wouldn't be able to get into anyway. Um, And and he's going to create pockets of space for other players to to exploit in that 18-yard box. So, um, you know, I think certainly for the moment you probably just got to accept and take the kind of rough with the smooth um, and time will tell whether that's always going to be the case or not. I, th-
0: I think if, if you're a defender, an opposition defender, whether whether it's Josh Corburn or Latte Lath, you're not going to enjoy playing against either really, are you? Because Corburn's, Corburn's going to rough you up and make life difficult for you that way. Um, and then Latte Lath's got the movement and pace to, to not give you a moment's peace. And then when you look elsewhere across the Borough front line, Morgan Rogers, I thought was, was, was decent at Leeds and he continued yeah. to get better with every game. The, the frustration with Isaiah Jones, obviously that was the last game before the yellow card cut off. So to get his fifth yellow was frustrating because he was a real threat on the counter and his run for Silvera's chance when Silvera the post was excellent. And then obviously yeah. Greenwood's, Greenwood's back on, on Saturday as well. Um, Let's discuss that team on Saturday then. Now now if everyone who's a doubt is missing. Yeah. This, this is what the team We've well, gone with
1: this avoid. as a best guess of what you might line up with if everybody is out. So that's with obviously Dyke Steele and Jones suspended. Uh, we know the long termers. So no McGree, no Force, no O'Brien, no Lenahan, and then also no Fry, no Hackney, no McNair. The end anyone, yeah. quite likely then.
0: so so I mean you know we might find out more the, the, the might you know it might be that one of them is closer than we know but the, the, this is just on yeah. the on the uh on the chance. let's, let's
1: read here. it out for our podcasters because I've just realized that it's going along the screen there on the old YouTube version but if you're air uh, podcasting you'll be thinking what on earth are they going on about
0: They'll be thinking that anyway, to be fair. They will, they will, they will. Uh, Dieng, Housen, Vandenberg, Clark, Engel, Barlesa, Crooks, Silvera, Rogers, Greenwood, Latte Lath. Yeah. We, we'll start with that back line. Um Johnny Housen's played there before. He, well, he's played everywhere before, but he played right back and right centre half and, and right wing back under Woodgate. And I think he played there a yeah. little bit under, under um, Wilder and Warnock as well. Um it feels like the safest option, really, at
1: right back, doesn't it? I don't think that backline looks awful. Uh, you probably you're you're asking probably quite a lot of Matt Clark, given how how long he's been out for. Housen at right back wouldn't worry me at all. I mean, clearly you're not going to get the rampage and forward runs. You're not going to get the overlapping, but in terms of a fill in right back who will do a defensive job and put a shift in, Johnny Housen is absolutely more than capable at that. Then Gellert left back, well, he's probably Burr is first choice left back now. That's fine. Vandenberg, you know, we've, I think we've said all the way through on these vids, looks like he'll be a centre-half in the long run and, and probably, you know, it might even be better at centre-half now. So, for me, it's only Clark and quite how sharp he's going to be against, let's be honest, an Ipswich attack that is right up there in terms of threat in the league. You know, Broadhead, Chaplin, Hurst, you know, you're not going to get many stiffer examinations than this Ipswich attack. Certainly, the front three. Um, it's how Clark stands up to that that I think is the is the um, is the question.
0: What I would say about Clark is obviously he comes on and, at Leeds and gives the penalty away straight away, less than a minute or so, and played it. And you kind of think, well, you know, understandably, rusty. You can't blame him there. He's played he's played what a matter of minutes in in 12, 13, 14 months. But After that, I thought he did really well. Um I thought he was was really solid, which which is testament to his approach to his mentality, I think, to come into a game like that, but also his fitness having having not played. Um, but clearly it is a big test for someone making the first start against a team playing as well as Ipswich in the midfield. Um, this is obviously if Hackney's missing and, and Housing goes back to the defense. Baleza, and I, I and I'm thinking, who's he gonna who would he play alongside Balasha? And then obviously Matt Crooks. Played most of his football in centre midfield before Carrick came in. It's not ideal given Crooks has played most of his football at number 10 this year. But but they are two players who know each other well, having played together at Rotherham as well, which I think would be another factor.
1: Yeah. I think I think if there's if you've got to move Housing in the back line and you don't want to completely change formation, which is obviously the wild card here that, that Carrick could all of a sudden, pull a rabbit from a hat and go three at the back or whatever and completely change formation. If you want to stick with the same formation, I think it has to be Matt Crooks because all your other options, you know, you you could play Rogers there, you could play Greenwood there and and play Bangu wide on the left or, you know, ahead of Engel. But I think all of those options, the the balance against a side who is so good at the counter-attack as Ipswich are, just isn't right. You know, I think that would leave you far too wide open. Whereas at least with Crooks, like you say, He's got experience of the role, um, you know there's a physicality to him that that means he can slot in there without too many problems. Um, you know he's positionally aware enough that he'll, he'll sit deep and slot in when he needs to. I think he would have to be the answer if, if like we say, a house in his goal at the back four.
0: And 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 if Crooks didn't have to drop in the midfield, you would imagine that the three behind the attacker would be. Um... Rogers Greenwood, who's available again, and Crooks behind striker. But obviously, if Crooks goes back into midfield, you're imagining Rogers and Greenwood will be in there. Jones is suspended. Silvera,
1: I think. I think if 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 the House and Crooks moves as we are, then I think the decision is either Silvera or, like I say, Bangura as a wide <coughs> you know, right. uh, wide left. Yeah, which. You know, he could play there, couldn't he? Let's be honest. He, he spends most of his time there and he's playing at fullback. So I think it would be a toss-up between them. I mean, Silvera's had some good games in the cup, in the in the Carabao Cup, go back to that second half at Exeter where he was absolutely superb. So, you know, I, I think if, if this was to be the kind of way that Carrick went and he did go Bangura ahead of Silvera, mm. then I think Silvera would probably have a right to think, mm, that's a bit harsh on me, that. You know, he couldn't have done much more in the opportunities he's had. So I think he would be worth... The shout from the start.
0: If 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 someone had assured that team running across the bottom two months ago, that have thought, "What on earth's gone on here?" Yes. If they'd have just seen probable yeah. and not and not known anything else, you, you know, you, it, it it is a remarkable turn of events, really. It over is.
1: the last. It few. is. I mean, we're playing a complete guessing game here, but what's your, what's your gut thoughts on Fry, McNair and Hackney, whether any of them will have a chance? Now, listen, as I say, we're recording this. Michael Carrick's up tomorrow. He might give us a definitive one, whether or not. He might well not give a definitive either way. Um, but what's your gut thought on that?
0: It, it, Carrick said of, of Fry and Hackney last week that words to the effect of neither of them were particularly close. That suggests to me that I think I'd be more surprised if either of them were back on Saturday. Oh, wow. um, Mc McNair, I, I, it's impossible to know, isn't it? I mean, yeah. a, a back injury—he was forced off straight away, which suggests you know it's not like he was able to continue, but Carry on. On a little bit. So, so, again, you would look at that and probably. I, mean, I guess away. the only
1: thing I would say is if if Fry or Hatley are training. Then, because you're so light, because you've got so many players out, you'd probably be more inclined to say, "Look, can you can you just give us a go here? Because we really could do with you." Then maybe well, then the
0: risk there is, I think, hamstring The risk is obvious. obvious, yeah. The risk
1: obvious that you you yeah. rule them out with the entire Christmas program and everything. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it?
0: Um, I think McNair is, and again, we're, you know, clearly we might be way off with this. It, it's a pure guessing game. I think McNair is probably most likely. Um, mm. In which case, you probably play McNair at centre half, Van right back, and 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 the
1: rest the back team. in the midfield. Crook stays where he is. Field, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it will be interesting to see whether you, whether we can take anything from what because I know we joke about it. Clearly, Carrick doesn't like giving giving a lot away injury and selection wise, which is which is fair enough. But it'll be interesting to see if you can take anything from what he says. Yeah, um, it will on Thursday. Um, yeah, yeah. You've you've been busy the last few days because developments up the road. Yes. What's, yeah. what's the story there then for those who you know for Borough fans who who kind of just take. Clearly, a passing interest in what? Yeah, in I, what's I think story.
1: understandably, if you're looking at this from the outside, the view is what an what what an absolutely ridiculous state of events. What on earth's gone on there? You know, who does Sunderland think they are? He got them to the playoffs last season. He's got them ninth in the league at the minute, obviously above Borough, three points off the playoffs. How on earth he lost his job? And and I I don't dispute disagree with any of that, really. By the way, and um, the context behind it, though, and 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 this is where. You know, when when managers leave or lose their jobs, there's often more going on, isn't there, behind the scenes? And if you're not following that club day to day, you don't really know. Well, um, so last last April time, um, stories started to emerge that Sunderland were potentially looking for a new head coach, um, an Italian guy called Francesco Farioli, who's now manager of Nice. He was quite strongly linked with them. and And the club basically had to concede privately that, yes, you know, there was a bit of sounding out going on, but it was just progression planning. It's what every club should be doing, you know, get something in place, etc. But Mowbray clearly got wind of that, wasn't massively happy about that. Um, and, and this is, this is in you know, in, in a context of, and we're almost going back to the old Borough days here, where recruitment has become a real issue there. So Mowbray has effectively no say whatsoever in recruitment. He, you know, um, Speak Christian Speakman, the sporting director, presents him with the players. He gets on and coaches them, um, and and that's clearly been a simmering issue. When they lost to Luton in the playoff semi-final last season, I interviewed uh, Mogger under the under the kite. Well, it was a bar that was re, reconstituted into a press room at Luton Town, which probably tells you all you need to know about Kenilworth Road. Um, and uh, and he, he he was basically saying, "Look, I don't know if I'm going to be here next season. Yes, I'd like to be, but the club's the club." Football clubs have all the power now. It just felt like somebody who knew he was um, potentially on rocky ground. Um, And that's kind of simmered along this season. There's been a truce. um, But again, Mowbray didn't really get what he wanted in the summer. Um, And and it was telling after the game last weekend. But uh, Sunderland rather drew at Millwall last weekend. and, And Mowbray kind of came out and said, look, in an ideal world, I'd like to do things differently, but but I'm being told to play these young kids. That's my job, to develop and play these young kids. We might not win games if we're doing that. I'm paraphrasing there, but that was effectively what. And when you're reading those quotes, when you're hearing those quotes, you're thinking, right, the, the writing feels like it's on the wall here. So while it was still a bit of a surprise when it happened at 10 o'clock on uh, Monday night, just as I was settling down in front of the TV with a nice cup of tea and a, a mince pie <laughs> and a, just settling in and all of a sudden wallop, um, it, it wasn't completely out of the blue if you'd been following Sunderland over the last kind of six, nine months. Is Sorry, is- I still think it's a really, really harsh decision. And I think for me, it's the wrong decision. You know, it... Sunderland now need to work out what they want to be. Do they want to be a club that develops and, and brings through young players and signs nothing other than young players? Or do they want to be a club that wins promotion? Because while you can do the two things at once, it's really, really hard.
0: And he, and, 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 and with that backdrop, the job is done, really, with the added complication of not having a recognised striker for the second half of last season and having four but not... Ma- but not getting a single goal from any of them yeah. in the first four months, Which is an
1: incredible group. start, isn't it? Four strikers yeah. under the signed in the summer; they've all played to varying degrees. Not one of them has scored.
0: So, so I think the job is done. While nurturing that talent in the way he has done, I, I've said a few times, I think Mowbray has been the ideal head coach for that team. Really, over the last over the last year or so. What I think is interesting from a Borough point of view is if you look at that table at the minute, Leicester and Ipswich look pretty set for top six, clearly. that It's yeah. going to take a disaster there for any of them to drop out the top six. I think you'd say the same for Leeds. Yeah. Southampton have found the feet now. West Brom looks solid. But but then there's a sixth spot where... Yeah. Now, clearly, I'm not saying that those five are nailed on, but not those all. five look strong. Then there's a sixth spot, and I think Hull, Borough, Sunderland, Preston have, Preston have fallen away. But, the, but there's various teams who will look at that last spot Yes. And hope that's right up for grabs. I, I was looking at it last week and thinking, I, I think you'd make a case that Sunderland, potentially Borough's biggest rivals for that sixth spot. So from that perspective, who comes in and how he fares is clearly going to be of interest. To, to, I mean, oh, clear, I, yeah. have to look after themselves, but you get what I'm you get what I'm saying. No, no,
1: absolutely. I mean. Yeah, w- will this change make Sunderland stronger? In which case, they have to have a massive chance of finishing in the top six. Or will it weaken them? In which case, you know, it won't take a lot for them to drop away and be mid table to, to to top of the bottom half. So, no, it's going to be very very interesting. I mean, it's early days. We haven't really had any firm guidance yet, but all, all the noises, all the suggestions, seems to be that it's probably going to be an overseas based coach. It'll certainly be a much younger coach than Mowbray. It'll be. A head coach, it'll be someone who's starting to get a bit of a reputation for developing young players, you know, um, all that side of things. Um, I mean, I I joked on Twitter the other night that I'd better start brushing up on thirty-six-year-olds in Bundesliga B who know all about XG and um, inverted fullbacks. But it feels like that kind of an appointment is where they're heading. So that's going to be really, really interesting. The last thing I'd say on Mowbray is. It feels like he's been dealt a really harsh hand at both Borough and Sunderland now, doesn't it? You look back at that that Borough spell and, you know, you look at the teams he was having to put out there and and you you kind of think, well, what on earth was he meant to do with it? And yet in hindsight, you look back now and think, well, a lot of the building blocks for that Carranca promotion team were put in place by Mowbray, weren't they? And, And you do wonder if... Either at Sunderland or some of the players that he's been he's helped to bring through at Sunderland now. I think you might look at them in five or six years' time and say, God, wasn't their career massively helped by that spell they had under Mowbray? Jack Clark, Dan Neil, Pierre Equa. You know, they could either really do it at Sunderland and, and be part of something good there, or they could end up playing in the Premier League. And I think a lot of that is the way that Mowbray has helped develop them over the last, what, 15 months.
0: I've said it a few times that managers often talk about wanting to leave clubs in a better position than, than when they came in. But, but really, if we're honest, managers have got to be selfish because they've, they've got to look after themselves. And, and what they really care about is is clearly the results for the hero yeah. now. I think if you look back at Mowbray's career, every club he's had, he's left on such solid, sound foundations for them to go on and achieve success. And, and he... he at Borough, clearly the players that he brought in and laid the foundations for what followed. I think the same is obviously at Sunderland now. Blackburn, you think of the state Blackburn were in when Mowbray yeah. went in there? You know he didn't manage to keep him up, but he got him back up and, and nurtured all that young talent. Coventry was fighting fires that when he when he was there, wasn't he? But yeah. you look at the young the young players he brought through. Um, I, I don't know what I don't know what the future holds for Mowbray, but he's he's still got a lot to offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: absolutely got a lot to offer.
1: He's um, the ir- the irony of the of the whole situation is that Sunderland seemed to want someone who can develop young players. I don't think there's a better manager in the entire football league for bringing through and developing young players than Mowbray. That's the, that's the ridiculousness of the situation for me. So, um, I think there'll be job offers for him. It's whether he wants them or not, isn't it? I mean, part of the big thing about the Sunderland job was the fact that he was able to live back in, you know, live back at home. He could be back with his family, see a bit of his lads as they're getting older. You know, we all know about one of his sons who's the Borough season ticket holder and all of that. Um, I can't, I could be wrong. Managers are funny characters, aren't they? I'd be really surprised if Tony Mowbray decided he was going to take a job at Ipswich or Norwich or somewhere in London or just purely for the geography. You know, I, I think he's got to a stage in his career now where he doesn't need that.
0: Swansea got rid of their manager Mike Duff at the weekend as well, which 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 was interesting. I think I won't go into it. We won't, we won't go into depth, but in the in the owner's comments, he talked about how the they'd maybe gone away from the Swansea way with the appointment, which I think is an indicator yeah. of where they might be going next. And I read that although Nathan Jones is a favourite with the bookies as things standing, clearly these things can change very quickly. Uh, Wales Online are saying that he's not a candidate. And is it Brian yeah. Barry Murphy? The the Oh yes. Uh, Manchester City number two, who's, yes. who's I think second favorite, and Man United. Let me have a look. So I was just looking before we started. Yeah. Eric Ramsey, sorry, Eric Ramsey from Man that's United right. is is hotly tipped as well. So it'll be interesting to see because obviously Borough are there a week on Saturday, and I think I'm right in saying that's Swansea's next home game, and that's yeah. still what eight, nine, ten days away. There's every chance they've got to
1: be there. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've seen Chris Wilder go back in at Sheffield United this week, yeah. and yet, and yet a number of the general mood in the Championship. Kind of finally, if you like, seems to be moving away from that Warnock, Mick McCarthy, you know that generation, that style of manager. Um, now Wilder going back into Sheffield United is probably a bit of an outlier, and it, you know, but it, it does kind of feel like most Championship clubs now are wanting to get a Michael Carrick type figure, aren't they? Rather than a Warnock or a Wilder, who better who obviously let go.
0: Yeah, because you look at the success of Kieran McKenna as well, of which it's we'll talk about example, yeah. Yeah, I think both Carrick and McKenna. Um, and they're not the only examples, which which makes it interesting for someone like Nathan Jones, isn't it? Who I read had turned down the Rotherham job. Yeah. Um which is obviously that vacancy still available as well. Yeah, we're certainly into that. Normally it's October rather than November and December when, when Yeah, it's, it's a bit later now, it's Sunday. a bit later
1: this time, isn't it? But it's um it's arrived. Yeah, it's it's yeah. come eventually. And it'll
0: be interesting to see how.
1: Last well. one, very last one, because I realise we're uh, the times race away. what about the cup draw? What do you uh, think
0: Borovilla? Mm. I, I think um, I think it. I think it's a good draw because um, it, it's it's an occasion and it's a, an opportunity to test yourselves. The, the risk is you you get. What happened, a kind of sobering experience like you got last season against Brighton, right? Um, yeah. And I think, given given the current situation, Michael Carrick clearly, I know we're a month down the line, but Carrick clearly might want to, um, might want to tinker with his squad and play some of the uh, and play some of those on the fringes. Um, but yeah. it's, it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity to test yourself, isn't it? And for all. For all you know, I think you'd prefer the type of draws Borough have had in the Carabao Cup this season, the lower league teams that give you the opportunity to go deep. Um there there is an occasion when a proper club, a big club like Villa come to the town, they'll bring a yeah. big they'll bring a big following. Um clearly a, a top Premier League team going for Champions League this season. So I think it's exciting. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I have a feeling in terms of Northeast Cup ties, it might get slightly overshadowed that weekend,
1: but uh, yeah, still, I, think, I think it probably will. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the interesting dynamic with with the, with Borough in the Cup is obviously, you know, we would all like to think that just literally round the corner from that is a two-legged Carabao yeah. Cup semi-final. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think if Borough beat Port Vale, then I'm not saying the FA Cup becomes less important, but, it, you know, it, it's very hard for a championship club to seriously fight on three fronts. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know... If you're in a league cup semi-final then clearly that that has to be a massive priority for that that kind of late january spell so so yeah I, I wonder if the um i wonder if drawn a you know a listen you don't want to go out with anything and i'm not saying that at all but it could quite easily beat villa but um but i, I I think it's probably a better draw than kind of getting a, an an awkward championship team away, and and you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: I, I think the worst, I think the worst kind of cup draw is a, a team from your own league away.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed.
0: Obviously, maybe not. Maybe not. Like if you get the quarters, and you think, well, no, no, it's no,
1: different then. But, but oh, earlier,
0: yeah. I think I think you want a, a kind of. You know, a low league tie, which is an opportunity to get through a non-league story, or a yeah. or a big Premier League club, and, and I think See. Villa clearly tick that box. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. Um, good. But first, we've got Michael Carrick's press conference on Thursday to look forward to, where. I'm sure he'll be asked about injuries and then we'll be back early on Friday morning to discuss what was said and to look ahead to his reunion with Kieran McKenna on Saturday as Borough play high fly in Ipswich. So join us then. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again later in the week.